I'm Chad Rutherford. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket, Building Better Worlds. Today, we're going to be talking about Signalis, a game that was developed by Rose Engine, published by Humble Games and Playism, uh, and was released in 2022 on Windows, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. But first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. So, Signalis is, and I'm glad that this is the thing that we decided, like, four years ago to always start every episode with. Uh-huh. Uh, because it's honestly one of the most uh, incredible things about this game. This is a survival horror game uh, through the lens of the Wayback Machine. <laughs> <laughs> it is such a classic, classic survival horror uh, in a way that I... I don't even knowing it was a survival horror game going in. I did not know how hard they were going to commit to the like Resident Evil One mm-hmm. style of survival horror. Yeah, yeah. It, I know I said this about Shovel Knight, and it's much less true about this game. But mm-hmm. it almost kind of felt like a little bit of a Captain Planet of the PlayStation One because <laughs> it is, it is very Resident Evil One, but it's also like very Metal Gear. Yes. Um, and it's got the first person sections. I don't know what to compare that to, but, uh, I'm sure that's taking inspiration from somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's like a nice little, like pick and choose, like uh, some old, uh, some old game inspirations from different places in it. Yeah. But most, the biggest one is Resident Evil. For yeah. sure. Yeah, no, it definitely does take from all of those things. Like, the, the Metal Gear comparison, I'm, I'm surprised to hear you bring up, because I feel like that's very much my, like, domain most of the time. Mm-hmm. But it does have, it, like, several weirdly Metal Gear elements to it. Uh, and, it, yeah, it, it, it does just sort of, like, add to everything else. Yeah, it was literally the first thought I had when I booted it <laughs> up. And I was like, this, like, looks like Metal Gear. When I booted it up, I said, this has, le- I think when I, I booted it up, what I said was, uh, Robert e- or Roger Ebert was a fool because <laughs> this just looks like art house cinema. Because <laughs> <laughs> the game opens with this, like, uh, and this is how all of the cutscenes in the game play out, but, like, you don't know that when you boot the game up. Mm-hmm. Uh, these just, like, quick, like, cutting back and forth uh, and glitchy screen and then just like wide shots of the horizons of planets like mm-hmm. it's very much a uh it like a it tone over substance intro and a lot of the game kind of also falls into that yeah it's like i don't know if blade runner is the best comparison but like it does kind of have like a a vibe that I, it felt familiar, but I can't put my finger on like what movie it's making me think of. Yeah, by the time that you get to Rotfront, I think that the game does go sort of full dystopian Blade Runner, uh, like future, not kind of cyberpunk, not mm-hmm. really. It doesn't really deal with transhumanism at all, uh, or does it? I'm not. I'm not 100 <laughs> percent clear on that. We <laughs> we'll talk about the the plot in a minute, mm-hmm. but to focus on sort of like the I guess I, I want to say the aesthetics is what I'm actually sort of trying to drill down onto is because mm-hmm. like to take from Resident Evil mechanically, it also takes like the aesthetics of survival horror. And I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but like the inventory having the six slots 
and just sort of being like an understood thing, the way that you examine objects and combine them. Like these are genre trappings, but at the same time, they're done in such a way that is visually what you would expect from a survival horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it, like this is one of those games where I was going to be like, Oh, you should play this game before you listen so that you don't like spoil anything or whatever. But after playing it, I feel like you don't even really need to worry about that. Like <laughs> it's so well executed in its in its presentation that even if you know like everything about this game, you're still going to have a good experience with it. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree. I kind of spliced some thoughts together on that yeah. one. <laughs> Oopsie doopsie. Uh <laughs> Uh, as far as the the actual gameplay of Signalis, mm-hmm. um, this is correct. You know, call me out if I'm being too uh, big on this. Uh-huh. I think is the best survival horror game that I've played in like a decade. Like <laughs> that is like actual like tr- what you like real survival horror in mm-hmm. terms of like it's not an action game, right? Uh, and it, t- I feel like they just nailed it so well. But then there's sort of a flip side to it that I want to discuss a little bit later. But, like, did you feel like the survival horror elements of this game, the fact that it it really does take from the early days of the genre, whet your whistle in the way that we're always searching for? Uh, I think so. Um, Silent Hill 2 is the only other thing I could think of uh, that is on a similar level. And also taking some inspiration from there with the red (laughs) computer monitors to say if um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it nailed the mechanical elements, but like, I personally didn't find it to be that scary. Okay. That's fair. Um, and I don't know. Like, I feel like it didn't have any like good horror set pieces. Um, but yeah, like I, I think I would say, yeah, probably the best survival horror game to come out in a long time. Yeah. it's It's been a minute since we've had something like this. I, I am interested, like, so the other thing that I wanted to talk about in relation to the fact that it's a survival horror game is that I found the difficulty of the game to be like pretty gentle as far as these go. Uh, a lot of times when you make a survival horror game, you bring the difficulty, especially the combat, up a lot. Uh, and the way the reason for that is to make the player feel tense, like they don't want to lose their progress and all that. Um, and I found this game didn't super have that. Like it it wasn't, I didn't die very many times. I found the puzzles to mostly be pretty manageable. I think I ended up looking up like one thing and it was how the dials worked Mm. on the steam or the heat, the temperature gas puzzle Uh in the incinerator because I kept turning things and seeing like no difference yeah (laughs) and I was like am I fundamentally misunderstanding knobs but aside from that one weird trick that incinerators hate him uh uh, like I found that everything was like very manageable not really a brain teaser I wonder does that do you think detract from the horror maybe a little um, I, I think the game kind of, and I might be reading into it, but like has like some like storytelling ambitions too. Like mm-hmm. it feels like it was maybe a, a, an intentional choice to make it a little smoother. So you're not getting stuck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it, it might have like the combat you're right. Didn't feel that tense. Um, yeah, there were some parts later in the game where you had to like, cause you had to burn the bodies, you know, Resident Evil one style. Uh-huh. Um, and so 
bodies getting back up could definitely cause like some dread. But I, I, I don't know. I didn't ever really find it to be particularly scary. So I guess it does affect it in that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, for me anyway, like, because I did find the game at least like reasonably scary. I think uh, the combat in specific, like, I when I say the difficulty is, is gentle, I don't mean that the combat is like easy. It isn't mm-hmm. like a skill test. But it is tense when you actually engage in combat. Yeah, and it's like difficult to run, just just run away. Right. Because like the the enemies will like kind of like grab and push you and stuff. Yeah, but I found that it was very viable to just tank a hit and run through things, mm-hmm. which is what I ended up doing most of the time. And I think what the game intends for you to do most yeah. of the time. The ammo gets pretty scarce. Yeah, if you're killing everything. Oh yeah, like. Uh, I, I thought the game does, and I guess we can talk about this in its own little uh, segment, but, like, the game's curve as far as difficulty and also just, like, how they dole out resources made me think this was a very different kind of game at the end of the, like, first chapter mm-hmm. uh, in the medical wing. And then immediately in the second part was just, like, I was like, I'm never actually going to have a lot of bullets. Like, right. Early on, I was like, oh, I'm conserving too much and should engage in combat more. Mm -hmm. But then later in the game, they reversed that on me completely. And I think it was that was their way of amping the difficulty. Mm -hmm. But it sent me down sort of the wrong (laughs) path on how I was supposed to approach it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I went I kind of ping ponged with it. But I think overall, I agree. I think that a lot of it is. It's not super scary, and the the fact that it doesn't have, I think its big horror set piece is the the last part of the game before the false ending. Uh huh. Like that segment that I think in the saves are called nowhere. I think that yeah, part is yeah. like its set piece, and then everything else. I, I it ending on that, and or maybe just making the second the next part shorter mm-hmm. might have emphasized like how that was supposed to be like an otherworldly space. Yeah. Whereas the rest of it doesn't feel as, as frightening because it feels very human, very colonized. Yeah. And you also like, there isn't like a big mystery to the enemies. Like it's really just like explained to you in copious amounts of documents, like (laughs) what exactly all the enemies are and like, kind of like what happened to them in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. It's like, so I, I think maybe, yeah, like a lack of a mystery, uh, makes them not as scary. Yeah. And like, yeah, and, and it isn't like the the fact that zombies are zombies is the thing that makes Resident Evil scary, but it's the it's the comparatively very difficult uh and and like even just timing based stuff that makes Resident Evil tense. Whereas this game doesn't really have that. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I don't know. I thought it was satisfactorily scary, but not yeah. nearly as scary as I as maybe it, it could have been. I'm yeah. not sure. I think it had like really good atmosphere, and I think it had a lot of the trappings of horror. But I don't think it was actually scary, personally. Sure. I mean, you are like a big strong man. That's true. I am a big tough guy. Uh huh. And I'm like a weak, <laughs> diminutive uh, lady. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Who's 19? Who's 19? It's a, this is, it is difficult sometimes to really come up with a good joke. (laughs) (laughs) 
do not joke shame uh, me and my bad jokes. Um, uh, so yeah, I I feel like there's still a lot yeah <laughs> that I want to talk about here. Um, the the game opens up with you in a ship, mm-hmm. uh, a spaceship, and you have to go around. Uh, and check on a bunch of stuff and look at some things, and it kind of introduces you to some of the puzzle elements, though we'll get into the puzzles in a bit because mm-hmm. I have thoughts. But uh, it's I found the opening to be good at setting a tone, also the most boring part of the game <laughs> by like a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, it's hard for me to remember exactly how long it took, but mm-hmm. I, I thought it built intrigue pretty well personally yeah and then like once you like leave and go out into the snow like i i thought it it hooked me i don't really know what it was about it though uh, i mean i agree with that i think it does build its its tone and its its intrigue well i think that it requires you to do a little bit too much like just going to rooms. running around yeah. yeah and there's like not really all that much there um it gives you the sort of like Get find a key card, take it to a place, and do a thing mm-hmm. that a lot of the game sort of uh, revolves around. But without any sense of like tension or danger, you're just kind of like in a. And this could work for some people, and it just didn't for me. Where it's like you're in a space that is mysterious to an extent, like you are unfamiliar with it, but it's implied that the character is not. Um, and so you just kind of go from place to place and pick up items and you kind of get the impression based on what's laid out in front of you that when, that you're going to find a body in the cryosleep thing mm-hmm. uh, and you don't in the end, like it opens up uh, and then you leave into the cold and then the real game starts after that. Right. Like I, I get that. I think that, I don't know. I'm not even really offering this as a criticism. <laughs> It's more just saying that the intro does build the tone correctly, but it also sets up the plot to being less literal and objective than you might think that it's going to be. Which, honestly, if you looked at this game at all prior to purchasing (laughs) it, you probably didn't expect it to have a very straightforward plot. Yeah. But, like, reading through the documents and stuff, like, it gives you a literal setup for the things that happen. Like, you're on a spaceship, you're looking for an inhabitable world, you are a replica, which is not a human being, a gestalt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you... I don't know. It le- it le- it builds up to something that then doesn't occur, and then you leave the ship and and move on. Uh, I think it could have benefited from being slightly shorter, but overall, I think it's I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, then you get to the the actual first part of the game, uh, where it introduces you to saving at glowing red computer monitors mm-hmm. uh, with boxes that magically teleport your items around. And immediately, if you're me, you know exactly how the game is going to be from yeah. that point on. Uh, and I found that to be kind of an interesting juxtaposition. Because especially when you look at like indie horror games these days, a lot of them tend to be very mechanics light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this game ends up... We talk many times about how one of the strengths of indie games is their sort of like ability to laser focus on something. Right. Uh, because they don't have a bunch of people pulling them in a bunch of different directions. And this game actually does mix things well. Like, it's both uh, sort of a, a, a tone piece, an art piece, sort of, uh, in terms of its story and plot. It's 
got the all of the the resident evil survival horror mechanics in it and it also pulls in like little elements of of other things here and there the metal gears the like first person walking simulator parts yeah, like, like mist yeah <laughs> or the, whatever yeah there's there's lots of good stuff in there that uh is it's surprising how well it all molds together i think this is really like something about this game they were able to really extract all of uh the good stuff out of yeah they were able to do some do do some effective cherry picking yes uh i don't know do you have thoughts <laughs> on like the 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 first the the medical bay part of the game uh god I, I remember, like, starting it up and, like, I knew the game was su- supposed to be, like, a classic survival horror, mm-hmm. like, kind of throwback. Um, and I, But I was just, like, surprised how much I was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I just remember, like, starting it and, like, being, like, really happy with it. Um, I, I feel like, yeah, like it's and like i remember like the puzzles and stuff like i think stuff that we were kind of starting to talk about like i remember feeling like the puzzles were like just right and like not too hard like progression felt like like they were like really nailing that like i feel like i'm making observations and like putting the pieces together Mm -hmm. but it's like just like simple enough that i'm not hitting any roadblocks and i'm able to like this progression felt like super satisfying and i think it was like at its strongest at that first part of the game yeah the the game never quite gets away from being uh like a checklist in terms of like you first explore everything you identify where you need other items to continue and then you go get those items from new places that you've explored and bring them to those areas and go through but it really is just sort of like the layouts of everything that make it feel like harrowing just enough to give you a <laughs> sense of accomplishment for doing it. Uh, this is part of the like slightly easier difficulty of this game. And keep in mind, I think the game forces you to play on like the normal difficulty at the start, and then you can change it later. There's a higher difficulty mm-hmm. called survival that I did not play on. Um, that I didn't, as far as I know know about until yeah. <laughs> like uh, uh two days ago yeah so. i don't can't say that i remember yeah like, i don't i, I, I don't know, think it starts you with that option i know there's like a secret or a true ending that you can't get on your first playthrough right which would seem to support that like maybe you have to play on survival to get it right and yeah so i did look up the secret ending and it, i think you can play on any difficulty but uh. it is like one of them you know remember how in like braid there were those like special pieces that you could oh, like get the stars yeah like yeah. where you had to like wait on a cloud for two hours and yeah, shit yeah, yeah. The, it's similar in that it requires you to do some like very esoteric horse like, garbage okay like you had to open like the game files and like <laughs> alter shit this seems like a game that would do that it does seem like a game that it, i think it's just it's it's sort of like keyed around the radio you have to like tune to a specific thing that makes sense yeah and find like spots in the environment to stand and then you get instructions from the radio to do other things interesting yeah uh which i also want to talk about the radio pretty cool yeah (laughs) i thought it was a very interesting mechanic one that um as far as like puzzle mechanics go uh was one of my favorite things to like bust out because it gives you that 
fight. I'm sitting there going like I'm goddamn Detective Poirot over here. <laughs> Tune in my radio to get the right, and it brings in like the number station thing, which at least among our friend group is like a famously <laughs> creepy classic thing to uh-huh. bring up. Uh, um, yeah, I like how the radio is introduced in like a first person dream sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's like tutorialized well. Uh, when I first unlocked it, though, I, I remember thinking like, "Oh no!" Like <laughs> I could see them doing some like really obtuse puzzles with this where I had to like sit there and like go through the radio and find the right station and I I thought it might be like a tedious or like too <laughs> difficult thing that it would be annoying but yeah luckily that's not the case yeah for the most part you you, you never have to blindly tune the radio yeah 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 it mostly will tell you if you find the right information before doing it which does save it from being tedious did um oxen free do the exact same thing where like how you get the true <laughs> ending is you have to like do shit with the radio or oh like, yeah different places on the island i believe it absolutely did do that <laughs> uh but i'm not 100 percent sure because i didn't get the secret ending yeah yeah me neither um but we also know how I feel about secret endings. Right. Uh, well, not secret endings, but endings, plural. Yeah, multiple endings. Yeah. And we can talk about that in a minute Yeah, uh, when we get to the, the story. I think um, to go back to sort of like the, the, the minute-to-minute stuff, uh, the, the gameplay in particular, I guess, okay, I'm kind of dancing around this. I just got to get right to the heart of the okay, matter. Okay, okay, okay. The fucking, I have very few complaints with this game. Mm-hmm. One of the big ones is that the flashlight should have just been attached to your body. <laughs> it should not take up an inventory space. Uh, I'm fine with the eyeball camera taking up an inventory space. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I... fucking made diagrams and shit on a notebook yeah in crayon because i couldn't find a pencil but could find a crayon i'm in my 30s by the way uh uh-huh. <laughs> yeah i've got like a bunch of pictures of stuff that so, I took. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah i loved i love and, and i did love. have to um i'm sure you have notes for it but there was like the code where it was in like letters instead of numbers, and you had to like find some kind of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I, I did like write that out on like a piece of paper to like make sense of it in my head. That one. Oh, I swear that's on here. Hold on. I don't know. Unless you have a big brain and were able to do it without paper. No, I think I just wrote it somewhere else. The. The thing with the with the number letter puzzle was that it, I remember it was just like. You just had to find the one letter that wasn't on the keypad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and then make that map. So I like, think I just wrote down or typed somewhere, like, the numbers yeah, yeah, in yeah. order and then just looked for the fake one and then checked the note. So I don't think I wrote that one down. But yeah, I wrote yeah. a lot down. <laughs> I have, like, two full pages of notes on this. Yeah. Um, it is always fun to play a game that, like, makes you... Uh, not just makes you do that, but, like, makes you want to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause it's not like... There's, like, a level of unfair where it presents you with something and then punishes you really hard if you don't remember it, which would force you to write it down. Uh-huh. But, like, in a game like this where, like, there are notes you can check, but if you're, like, thinking ahead, you could, like, jot down a few notes about something in case you need it later. Like, I remember in the last area, there's a 
uh, a bit where you like, phases. Oh, there's like, the, the moon. The tarot cards. <laughs> I had to go back for that. We're not gonna talk about that. Uh, I had to. Yeah, I did have to run back because I forgot to mark one of them down. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I didn't take a picture with the eye uh, because I didn't bring the eye because I had to carry all the tarot cards up there. Uh, and so when I I like ran down to the thing and I was like fuck and had to go back, which was a little bit annoying. But um, the flashlight though, I don't think should be. I don't think it should be an inventory item because <laughs> when you need the flashlight, what happens is you open a door and you go, oh, I need the flashlight. And then you just walk the fuck back, <laughs> mm-hmm. get it, and then come back. Like, it's just an impediment to progress. And I feel like it's just not as interesting as needing to decide if you need to bring, like, like replace it with something else. I'm fine with that. Like, have there still be the tension in the inventory and I don't want to take that away from the game. Uh, I just think that the flashlight in specific never did anything so mind-blowingly cool <laughs> that I was like, oh, do I need to bring... You just always need to bring the flashlight yeah. for the most part. Uh, and I didn't like it just always... It, like, this is like such a touchy subject, I guess, because like, yes, there is an argument that if you always bring the flashlight so that you're always prepared, then you're making a sacrifice somewhere else that you can't bring something. Mm-hmm. I just find that dark room isn't that interesting of, like, a problem to solve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I was kind of torn on it because, yeah, I usually do like when something makes you make a decision. But I think you are right that it's not a decision. (laughs) I Like, once I got the flashlight, I always used the flashlight. Yeah. Um, And it would be like, yeah, if there was something I wanted to kill with, like, a stun pod, that would be the thing I would go back for. Right. Um, So, yeah, like, I guess... If every if like most people are gonna play it that way, then you might as well just make it uh, not take up an item slot. Right. Sort of like how in Psychonauts they should have made levitate not take up a button, like <laughs> oh, just yeah, assign that yeah. to a button. Like, like um like Silent Hill Two right. has the flint the flashlight is just on your on your body. On That's your a better comparison. Clip to your shirt, yeah. But it is a thing that yeah we don't you don't talk about it when it is that way. Nobody would notice if the game had started with the idea that the flashlight was on your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, who cares? Whatever. It's not even animated on your fucking body. Like, it's not. Yeah. It's, like, like it's attached same. to your chest. Yeah. Like, uh, like, like cops use those. Like, it's, it probably has, like, a name, like a specific kind of flashlight. But... Yeah. But, no. <laughs> gotta, gotta take it off. Put it in the fucking inventory. Yeah. Uh, but, and also it annoyed me because I like to have. You just. You, uh, I showed you my end screen. I had only oh, died yeah. two times. Uh, probably the biggest reason for that is because I just always had the auto injector equipped. Oh yeah, I found that to be. This might also merit a complaint, though. I don't really think of it that way. Uh, I found having the auto injector equipped to be overpowered because <laughs> I was always able to run into a room without fear of being bum rushed and murdered, even if I was bleeding out on the ground. Right. I was like, I can always just take a hit and run, uh, even if I don't know it's in an upcoming room. Yeah, I always I had like classic video game item scarcity with those, where like uh, I would always put them in the box, be like I have to save these for when I really need them. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just always had those ones equipped. I never really... I used the disposable stun prods a couple of times. Yeah, they were, like, first chunk of the game. I was like, these are the best item. They are (laughs) really good. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, like you just get way less later, I think, is what it is. Yeah. And then the thermite I usually would use up. Uh, I see. I... 
I almost never burned the bodies. Oh, there were a few. Like if I like I think get I, to a safe room, yeah, you better believe I'm killing everything <laughs> oh, in the vicinity yeah. and burning everything. I, I think I burned a grand total of four guys. Oh my god! Did you not use the flare gun either? <laughs> no. Oh man. I burned probably like <laughs> thirty-five to forty yeah, guys. <laughs> yeah, the, I think it was just like the the. It just seemed so scarce. Mm. Yeah, it's like another one of those things where I feel like because it's a survival horror, I'm like, I really feel like I should say these for like really need them, mm. and I you and you're know, never gonna just take them to take up inventory space. Exactly, right? and I don't want to carry them around. Yeah. And yeah, see, I was like that. I didn't want to like most of the bodies that I burned were like right near a box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like where I could quickly I grab at, yeah, them and then burn it a couple times. Um, yeah, I think in nowhere. Mm-hmm. There's the save room with the hallway that's got like three dudes. Like I think I burned two of them and left one. Oh yeah, I I also burned the ones in the hallway because you get the flare gun like pretty close like, right, to them. Yeah, right yeah. near there. So I ended up using it on them like as like a test of the flare gun, and I didn't realize it says in the description like incinerates enemies. But I was just like, oh, convenient. Like I didn't put together what that meant. <laughs> yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. And then I think I burned the two guys outside. Um, after you jump down into a pit and you fight a bo- like the boss where you just have to like run away till the girl fixes the rifle. Yeah. There's like a room to the right of that, I think, that had two guys that I killed as well. <laughs> so yeah, mine were also outside of save rooms. Yeah. I mean it's this it just makes sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh but mostly I just found that I could just run past things. <laughs> yeah. In areas that like you go through a lot, you just kinda learn how to avoid them. That's true. Like, there, there are some, and, like, there were definitely some areas, um, the, the game is broken up into a bunch of different sort of, like, kinds of room. I don't know how accurate that is to describe, but, like, there are rooms that are clearly just, like, places to hold key items and puzzles. Yeah. And then rooms that are supposed to be, like, dangerous to traverse. Yeah, yeah, like, hallways yeah. tend to have enemies, and then, like, there are certain kinds of rooms that will just have items and, and like, a poster uh-huh. and, like, a document. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I was always a big, like, I am neutral too generally positive on like rooms that have a guy in them and you go through it maybe there's a few items to pick up or whatever uh and i like the rooms that are uh that are like a surprise there's like 50 guys in here because yeah, it's yeah. like a it's moment like, oh, of coming like, up out of the floor yeah <laughs> Or like that room where that you walk in, there's just like the boss from the previous oh, level I and know like exactly. fifteen like other by dudes. the subway terminal or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I know exactly the room. Yep those those are great in like uh, the moment of like, yeah, like you walk in. Oh shit! Oh. Yeah, but I really love the rooms that are like a hallway with like three people in them because mm-hmm. you're always like. I can probably sneak by them. And so you get to sort of like actually like stop and walk and make sure that you're like, yeah. Like, are these the guys that you can walk past? Uh, right. You know, if you don't move towards them, they won't attack you. <laughs> Did I, you. Okay. That actually leads me to a good thought. Uh, were you able to differentiate between the enemies? Uh, Cause I think the game wants you to be able to, cause they all have different names and, but I found they were pretty hard to tell apart. Yeah. I mean, there's the Storch. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> like one has like a obvious. foot for a head or yeah. whatever the fuck it was supposed to look like. <laughs> and is like very tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one obviously is very easy. Um, but no, it, it was like. It'll be like you'll be like shooting a guy. Be like, oh, he's got a shield and I didn't even see it. 
<laughs> yeah, because they always come in like groups. Uh, but for the most part, for me, it was like uh, the tall ones, which are fast. The mm-hmm. ones that come out of the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bosses. And then any enemy that just, like, had a knife. Yeah, I think there were a couple different kinds of them. There were. Yeah. But I, I could not differentiate. Yeah, I, I would say the same. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's also... I And, like, to me, it was hard to even consider this an enemy. This is more of a trap. But, like, those rooms where you walk in and they're, like... It fucks up your screen and says oh, "stirp." And yeah, then you... <laughs> the uh, the radio enemies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they also have a name that I don't remember, but uh, they. But yeah, those are obviously differentiable yeah. for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I don't think that super harmed it. I feel like they wanted there to be more of a differentiation because they wanted them to behave differently mechanically. But it is difficult to tell if that's actually true, Mm -hmm. in my experience. Um, I was smacked around by all of them, and I didn't (laughs) really notice much of a difference. Yeah. Uh, How did you feel about the puzzles overall? Um, I like them overall. Um, There were a few that were uh, involved, like a lot of running around... um, that I think could have been maybe been a little bit smoother, but like overall, I liked them a lot. Like I really liked the um, having to put together the Matroshka doll, yeah, uh, to like put on the pedestal to take the balance, uh, whatever those were called, plates. Yeah, they were, yeah, I think um, they were just called plates. Yeah, so I, that stands out in my memory as a pretty cool puzzle. Um, so yeah, like stuff like that. Like um, God, you had to play like the radio at the monitor to like find out like what symbol. Like I don't remember exactly how the puzzle worked. Um, to further those, there was like those symbol keypads. Yeah, you had to find out the combination. That was pretty cool. Agreed. Um, yeah, so yeah, there were some area wide puzzles that really worked for me, and some that felt a little tedious. But overall. Uh, thumbs up yeah I, and that's fair i think uh I, I think a lot of the like actual like you call them area wide that's a good name for them like the puzzles that gate your progression in terms of uh when you're going to be able to move on like the overall thing usually find six things and then do something with them yeah yeah uh, put I'll, them in a door put them in a door put them on a table whatever uh those are all I think all very good. I think that the ones that irk me to, to, for my second and maybe final complaint, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I think are the ones that were just like a single room and a puzzle that you needed no other information to complete. Mm. Like I joke about newspaper puzzles and that's the, my idea of what that means comes from the original alone in the dark uh, because they would be like, you're in a haunted mansion. <laughs> now do a word find. And you're like, wait, what? Like, that's nothing. That doesn't that doesn't induce any fear in me. Uh, and, like, the worst one for me in this game is just, like, the water level puzzle. Like, the, oh. where you just have to move water between the tank. And it's like, there's no time pressure yeah Yeah, whatsoever for you to do that and there is in fact a note that tells you the exact steps that you need to take to do it (laughs) and it just feels like such a such a and a a, i don't know like an abandoned puzzle to me move that to a different room like a piece of paper and like that solves it really so you had to like take a picture of it Uh or like realize that like yeah like you had to connect two dots it's still not even hard but it's (laughs) It's something. Yeah. If you do it that way. Yeah, it makes you feel like there's a 
a purpose to it. Yeah. Like, I would say, like, those kinds of puzzles, I think, have that um, <laughs> observatory in um, Eternal, Eternal Darkness? Darkness problem where you, like, you walk in and you're like, do I have everything I need to solve this puzzle or do I need to leave and come back with more information? Yeah. Like, I, I think having a mix of those things isn't always the best idea. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean, I feel like that's like a really bad feeling when you're like, you, you like approach like a, a wall of buttons and switches <laughs> and you're like, uh, do I spend time fucking with this or do I, or do I leave and come back later? I always feel like that's like a bad headspace to put you in. Yeah, and then sometimes you end up in that situation where like you do it, you like there's a the fuse puzzle, uh, which I did make the all of these fucking equations <laughs> here are right. like what all of the individual buttons did, and but like that one is like oh you can't do anything with this yet it's powered off and then you go find a fuse, fuse yeah. and bring it back and but. The, what was on the screen presented to you is still all you have. Like, you just have to be... It's not like the thing made it easier. Mm-hmm. It just made it possible to do. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm always, like, torn on those because I feel like a game like this does need some sort of, like... It needs a break from the combat and the exploration. Mm-hmm. Uh and they can't all be bangers. Like, <laughs> yeah. every puzzle can't be great. Yeah. Uh, and so it makes sense that there's some filler in here, but like, I don't know. I was I was unenthused by many of them. There's yeah. a fucking ice block puzzle in this game <laughs> in the library with the uh, the book grabber machine. Right. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's not like I dislike it necessarily. It's just like <laughs> it just felt like some filler that maybe didn't need to be there. Yeah. You could cut a few of them out. For sure. And strengthen the ones that you have left sort of thing. You didn't need the ice block puzzle. It's not even the worst (laughs) one, but you were in a library. You could have just put the book on a table. (laughs) (laughs) There's no reason for it to be in a book vending machine. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to talk about the plot or what of the plot we were able to figure out? Oh, God. Yeah, I, I feel like even from just some of the things you've said, I think you retained it better than me. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. It is. It's a lot of reading uh, and a lot to, like, take in. And on top of that, it is kind of like a complex, time-loopy, <laughs> like, hard-to-piece-together kind of plot as well. So we can try and talk about it. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that's kind of, that's even sort of, that's the conversation I want to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not necessarily that I want to describe what actually happens in the game. It's just this game's method of storytelling is, it is abstract. It's it's not straightforward at all. Um, And it gives you a good, like, understanding of what's going on. Sort of. Uh, It gives you a good understanding of how what's going on is supposed to make you feel. Right. Uh, But... I have basically two comments at all that I really want to make about yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Uh, and the first one is that I was surprised at how emotionally affecting the, the game was able to be while not having a... Like, I have a problem in my brain that when I read a name in a document in a video game, mm-hmm. I just throw that out. I don't know. <laughs> I, I never remember somebody's name unless it's, like, on screen. Like, I remember Iso. 
the robot that you meet at the beginning of the game, and she like goes uh, all the way not through. Isa or Isa? Yeah, I don't know uh, that well. Apparently, <laughs> I think it was ISA. Yeah, Isa. Yeah, I think it's like short for Isol though. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Isa, I think means moon. Genius. Um, I know this because of Kingdom Hearts. Oh. Ding. <laughs> Uh, Syx's real name is Isa, uh, and he's yeah. like the moon. Uh, he draws like power from it. He's but anyway, the moon god. He's the moon god. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I just don't remember names that well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, unless they are like present in like the actual character that I'm dealing with, which is is not the case. Elster. Yeah. It, it, n- like names and proper nouns are like hard to internalize when you just read them. Yeah. It's it like they say like you have to put a face to the name. Yeah, yeah, it's we a lot ne- easier. We rarely get a face. <laughs> yeah, like when you see it in like cutscenes and things. Uh. Yeah, but despite that, when you go through, like you understand sort of inherently what's going on uh, in terms of like your character's motivation. You were looking for the person who was supposed to be in that pod and was not, um, and so you go through this facility going through there until you fail. You're pushed down the elevator shaft and broken. Mm -hmm. uh, And that's when you go to nowhere after that. Um, And so there's this like moment of, of like where it becomes surreal where Mm -hmm. before you could interpret it literally. And now you cannot anymore. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Once you find the the pile of dead bodies of yourself, yeah, you know, something's up. (laughs) Something's a little, a little strange up in here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Going through all of that stuff. Like I found was, uh, it, it was good. I enjoyed doing it, but that, but I didn't feel like I was really connected, but I was wrong. Like, when we actually get the flashback sequence or memory or whatever it is where you're in the ship and uh, the human, the gestalt, I forget her name, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, is still alive. Something with an A. Yeah. It sure is. <laughs> it's not going to help I was going to say Abigail, but I don't know if that's correct. I don't think so. I think it was more... Anne, Anne-Marie... It was Anne-Marie. It was Anne Boleyn. <laughs> anyway continue uh i was like oh like like you pieced together in during that segment at least i'm sure that there were clues before that i was just completely uh Mm -hmm. oblivious to that she broke the rules and was fraternizing with her replica right um nice nice and uh they and and they like had a relationship and that she was dying and so you have this like I was I was shocked at that point that I cared enough about the main character that this was something that like really would be impactful to her. Uh, and then moving on from there, I now have to interpret the game in an entirely different way, which does make me feel like I should go back and replay the game, even though I know I'm not going to. Because I'm like, is this a metaphor for like cancer or like a disease, mm-hmm. like something terminal? Because things are falling apart. You can only do it so many times. There's a point where you rip the arm off of one of your previous bodies and put it on your own arm. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> that's got to mean something. <laughs> And so they're like all of these little elements that I think fit together really well in the way that like 
an art film does. Like mm-hmm. a thing that makes you want to think more about it. And I really appreciated that. I thought that was great. Yeah, I mean, I think like all of like the best sci-fi or fantasy, like it, it has like that core, like that you were just describing, like of a relationship between two people. Mm-hmm. And like that, that can't be understated, the importance of that. Um, yeah, you need something to connect to. Um, and yeah, and I think that like that extra level, like it's playing with like really simple concepts of like a relationship between a human and a replica. Like the like, you understand that there's like a difference in how they're each going to like what the relationship means to a human versus a robot. So right. like that's interesting to think about. Um, and it makes it like kind of sad when like the robot, like uh, when the replica is like, going to these great lengths to like uh do something for the human like it just has like an interesting idea like to like it's like just one of those like concepts that like activates your imagination and gets you engaging with the story right and it has that sort of element of how close are replicas to human beings like before you can yeah like actually tell the difference they're all of them, I if I if I read my if I do my homework, mm-hmm. all of the replicas are like their neural patterns are cloned from a particular human mind. Like if each type of replica is based on the same individual person, right? Uh, and of course, we're living in the very probable robot <laughs> future where all robots are made to look like sexy anime ladies. Of course, of course, because uh, there's no way around that. That's just what is going to yeah. happen. <laughs> I mean, if we make replicas, people are going to fuck them. Uh huh. And they are going to be designed to look like anime ladies. Of course, yes. <laughs> that's the just... most attractive thing. <laughs> the most universal art form is waifus. Uh huh. Uh, and so you do it like there's like a uh, like a back and forth one of my favorite notes to pick up in the whole game was just one that was like hey if you are starving to death it's probably not a good idea to eat your replica Uh, (laughs) and it described it just like it may look and feel like human flesh but it's got like all this bad (laughs) stuff in it that's going to be different yeah Uh, and to me like that's great world building because like it shows the just i mean they didn't need to make like the uh I don't even remember the name of it, like the the government. Oh yeah. That is having everybody do all these things in this solar system uh any more cartoonishly evil. Like they're <laughs> hitting all of the tropes. Like yeah. it's to the point where that's not even like the point of the yeah, game. It's like very <laughs> communist imagery with like the red and black and Yeah. It's it's very like Big Brother, right? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. it's got that that sort of vibe to it where it's like a dictatorship masquerading as a commune and all of the good stuff that comes with that but it's like it's tired right like we've all seen this before and i think they use it here as a baseline so and you don't really think about it Yeah, it's not like really commented on it's just like in the background right it's just like part of the world of the game uh so that's not really necessary for that note but it does establish like how human like the replicas are uh, it establishes sort of like how people might view them. Like, is this a person? Is this a thing that I would eat? Like, because that's a different thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is it like an animal <laughs> that I would hunt and eat for sustenance? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think all of that stuff is done extremely well. Like, I felt really surprisingly immersed in this, like, lower fidelity than PS1 <laughs> world that I was existing in. Yeah, agreed. It gets, like, those broad strokes, right? Yeah, 
for sure. And the other thing I wanted to say related to that is just about the endings. I think the fact that this game has multiple endings, I've talked about this a billion fucking times. I don't like multiple endings very much. I feel like they get put into things that don't need them. The thing about this is, and I don't know if you looked this up. I actually didn't watch the secret ending. Okay. Oh, I I didn't watch anything. I was going to, but then I forgot. Okay. The the way that you get the different endings, because there are three regular endings and the secret ending. Oh, okay. And the, the way that you get the regular endings is by the way that you behave in the game. Mm. Uh, the one I got was called Memory. Uh, which I, I think that's what I got, too. Yeah. To me, it seems like the one that makes the most sense. Uh, but there's, like, one that you get if you're essentially, like, a pacifist. Like, you don't mm. fight many things. And also, you don't take much damage. You just run from stuff. Uh, and then there's one for, like if you take a lot of damage and stay at low health for most of the game and like do a lot of fighting, kill a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it feels like two extremes and then like the middle ground that most people are going to get, but the endings fundamentally change the way that you read the, like your character's motivation. Uh-huh. And I don't know if she's presented that fluidly that you would be able to do that because one of them makes a little bit of sense where like she goes in and doesn't recognize uh, the gestalt, the human being yeah, yeah, that yeah. she is in love with, uh, but kills her anyway. And then one where she doesn't, like, refuses to kill her uh-huh. uh, and moves on. And I feel like it's weird that those are the, like, I feel like they, they read very differently. And maybe it's supposed to represent, like, three different versions mm-hmm. of the character. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sad that one of the endings is it that she just gets in the pod with her and then closes and then clo- it. Yeah, yeah, and then sails on to a better tomorrow. To cryo sleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uncertain, though. I, I I don't dislike it. I think that the game is set up in a way that the endings can work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also don't. To me, I, I felt like having a more solid ending uh that was unchangeable is it would have been maybe more to my preference i guess yeah i I think it kind of fits with the idea of like the the replica doing like the whole mission over and over again Mm -hmm. to have different outcomes so i guess it kind of fits thematically um but yeah what what do you think about the false ending (laughs) i wanted to bring that up because like like whenever it happened i was like what are the odds that <laughs> Chad doesn't realize there was a false ending <laughs> and just quits the game right just quits here. the game <laughs> I will say this is definitely the most uh like tricky believable secret ending or like false ending yeah I've seen like it doesn't like crash the game or do something like really ostentatious like that it just rolls the entire credits right and then goes back to the the main menu right at which point you can just close the game yep and be like I'm done (laughs) I actually really like that the only reason that I wasn't that I was sure and therefore I can't give a real answer as to whether or not I would have fallen for it Uh is that you said that you beat the game and it took you like 11 hours oh yeah yeah and I was like at six hours, and I was like, "There's no way I'm that much better of a gamer, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> than Andy is." Um, yeah, like the like the the big giveaway is that like on the menu, her eye moves like wherever the cursor goes, and mm-hmm. it's just like a dead eye, and then it doesn't say continue; it says begin. Yes, 
Uh, so there's a couple of clues, but like I think somebody could reasonably just completely overlook it. I wouldn't. Ha- I would have overlooked it 100. <laughs> percent Like the the fact that the main menu changes is just like a thing in games. Like that's when you true, complete a game, true. and it's saying begin wouldn't have registered to me either because it's like I finished the game, so yeah. b- you would like, begin a new game. It does feel like the it ends abruptly as well. I guess would be another clue that it's not actually over yet. True. Yeah. But it does end after the the climactic nowhere section. But right. it doesn't have a boss, so I guess, like, mm, who knows? Yeah. Uh, and I guess the only other thing I had that I wanted to talk about was just the length of the game. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was like just, like, an expectation thing, but, like, I think having the false ending and it coming back on, like, a more weird narrative beat um, before you get back into the facility... And then having just, like, an entire another chunk, like, another third of, like a, like, a whole area to go through with a bunch of puzzles. Like, yeah, I felt like after the false ending, it shifted into, like, the more narrative thing. Like, I felt like it felt like it was just going to wrap up. <laughs> yeah. And then when there was, like, a whole another like, three hours of game to play, <laughs> uh, that I felt like that, like, put a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, I, I got over it. Uh, you know, like I got back into it as like I kept playing, um, but like it was like when it, I was like, oh, I really feel like this is too much. Yeah, I th- would say that I had almost the exact same arc to that. Yeah, uh, I got there because like I it's felt... harder too. Like I remember, mm-hmm. like I died, and I was like, God, I have to go back to the save room, and like I have no <laughs> ammo, and like <laughs> why can't it just be like a. <laughs> a narrative thing like it was yeah i i think i i do agree i think i had the the same arc where i thought oh okay so we're gonna come back and just do like a quick thing and end the game or whatever Mm -hmm. uh and i was a little bit disappointed that i was like thrown back into what is the hardest part of the game uh (laughs) to actually like close it out and it took me like another day like i had went to bed and got up and, and finished it the following day and uh, I would say, here's my take. Mm-hmm. I think that the game could be a little bit tighter paced. Yeah. And there's a there's not necessarily, I guess I should start with, I think it was worth it. I think that the expectation and the ending, uh, like the last level of the game, are worth the potential loss in momentum yeah. that it causes. Uh, because I, I do really like that last area a lot. Uh, and it provides a ton of good context, and it gives you an end to some character stories. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that the perf like taking this game from great to like nearly perfect, if you could just shave off little imperceptible roadblocks mm-hmm. to make it go faster and be a little bit smoother. I think that it would end up working out. Really yeah, well. you could probably cut like an hour of content out of the game. Yeah. I put like the flat flashlight on your body, and so you don't have to, that saves at least a few minutes of running back uh, to the nightmare. I mean the the box, uh, so you know there's that. Uh, you got anything else? Uh, I don't really think so. I don't know. There's a final boss. There's a final. Bo- there are three to, to bosses in, this in her game. head. Man, it took me a few spears to realize that they were going straight through her skull. Oh, yeah. uh, and once I realized that that was what was happening, I was like, that's pretty fucking metal. <laughs> <laughs> a 
like that. Uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, there wasn't there isn't much to say. I ran out of ammo like real bad in the final boss, uh, but they let you kill it anyway. Like mm. if you just run around for a while, oh, that's weird. It'll just fall over eventually, and then you can spear it. Ah, uh. yeah. I took I took in because I'm a genius. I took in the <laughs> rifle and the revolver ah. to the fight and you get ammo for the revolver but you do not get ammo for the rifle uh and i used up all of my rifle ammo yeah yeah i just took the regular pistol and the submachine gun <laughs> submachine gun seems like it would have been a good choice yeah it, it, it does have ammo drops for yeah it, so. <laughs> uh i was unfortunate enough to not have that op- option yeah. and so. I, I, I actually didn't run out of ammo so yeah <laughs> yeah i had like grand total like 24 shots mm-hmm. at the in the final boss uh but i was able to just run away and evade uh with my trusty auto injectors equipped of course of course uh to uh to kill them i i did find a lot of my time in the game just to sort of like go back to the very beginning of the podcast for no good reason uh, where I wouldn't even bring ammo most of the time. Mm. And I think that's kind of what caught up to me at the final boss is that I was like, I just won't whatever. I got to save the inventory space. Uh, and so the final boss, I was like, okay, I got all the ammo for this, but like, you don't really ever get that much ammo for, I think you can carry 12 shots for mm-hmm. the revolver at once. It's not very much. Uh do we have falk thoughts uh my falk thoughts are uh this game uh lived up to like what i wanted it to be i I, this is another one of those games that like i someone recommended online uh it seemed cool and it didn't disappoint um yeah like cool throwback um mashup which executed very well to like where it feels like its own thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, like when I first started playing it, like the first half of the game, I was like, I don't know if I'd say I was blown away or anything, (laughs) but like, I was really pleased with it. I was like, I I thought it was like just the right level of difficulty, just the right, uh, like difficulty curve, like smooth progression. And it was like really into it. Um, I feel like it went on a little long, uh, for my tastes, uh, there were some parts where I felt like, and I, it comes with the territory, but like a lot of backtracking, uh, you know, uh, running around hallways and all that. But um, overall, I think it's like really well executed. Um, and there's really not much to complain about. Like, it's like a very well thought out, uh, implemented uh and executed uh, indie survival horror game. So uh, I really enjoyed my time with it. Yeah. Uh, agreed, except for all the things that you said that you didn't like. Now, uh, <laughs> I do really love this game, and I do want to thank all the people who did suggest this. Like, this is a game that I think you originally told me about because you heard it from some guy. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, this YouTuber uh, that I like called Frustrated Jacob uh-huh. recommended both Perfect Tides and this. Oh, wow. And they both turned out to be good. So thanks, Jacob. <laughs> thanks, Jacob. <laughs> Guy, we do not know. Uh, but yeah, other people suggested it in the Discord. I yeah, think. we had a suggestion in the Discord, uh, a suggestion from uh, just one of our friends. And I know that I am more of a 
I'm more known for being like into horror aesthetics and shit. Mm-hmm. And so I had like two or three other people tell me that it like people who hadn't played the game before were just like, <laughs> it seems like you would like this. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm playing it in October. Fucking give me a minute. Um, and yeah, and I'm glad I did. I think that this game is, and I was going to play this when we got it recommended originally, but uh, so it's not a big surprise that I played it, but uh, I'm very happy with it. I think that this this game hits the feeling of like what the original survival horror style games were going for more than anything I've played for a long time. Like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I said a decade, and you called out Silent Hill 2. That's a good call out, because I did play that for the first time this decade. Mm-hmm. But it was like, that is an older game. So, like, the Silent Hill franchise, the Resident Evil franchise, the, the ones that sort of started this whole genre, like, this game feels like it's really giving them their due uh, in the modern era. And it does it with a sort of a stylish flair of anime robots that I got to say I liked more than I would have expected to. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really look like anime in-game. Right, yeah, it's just in the cutscenes. Um, but And they look really good. Uh, it's very evocative. It's very uh, like complex. There's a lot to it to sort of unpack uh, if you wanted to do that, and I kind of do. Uh, <laughs> so all in all, yeah, this is a great game. I'm glad that we started October with this because it kicks a lot of ass and gets me excited to play more horror games. So, uh, yeah, loved it. High, high nine. To the nines. To the nines. Dressed to the nines in my blue combat regalia. That's sort of how this game ends anyway uh thank you for listening to no clip pocket this week what are we talking about next time next time uh we had a slight change of plans and are gonna go with a suggestion that was given to us uh very recently and also a year ago and we ignored it but (laughs) (laughs) we know the guy so i'm hoping he can can live with that one Uh uh we're gonna be talking about midnight manor uh, which is a, a, a an indie game from Itch, uh, though I think I have it on Steam, so it's available on, on multiple platforms. Uh, but I know jack shit about it. Uh, same. Yeah. So we'll try that out on Pocket next time. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Halloween. <laughs> Uh, until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find links to our Twitter account, our email address, our YouTube channel, and you can listen to uh, any of the old episodes. And boy golly, have we got a lot of them for you today. Uh, this is a, I have a whole horror playlist, so if that's all you're looking for, that's an option. Uh, we just did Resident Evil 4 Remake and 8 this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Evil Within 2. The Evil Within 2 is a... Is a less classic survival <laughs> horror game, but still really interesting. And I like that episode a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking, uh, Gemini Rue, I feel like has a similar sort of like visual style and is also like a cyberpunky mm-hmm. dystopian future thing, but it's an adventure game. Right. Uh, a point and click adventure game. A point and click. Uh, 
Which, notably, you do not do that in this game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but we do have lot, no shortage of horror. Yeah. So, so hit those up uh, and incinerate that like button. <laughs> uh, try not to spear anyone through the head in the comment section. <laughs> and tune your radio and find the, the broadcast tower that's powered to transmit the bell sound. <laughs> Uh, Changing your idea of what a robot can do is so bad that it might just be funny to use. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's like, except, I mean, it's, it's so like not a slogan. It's not a slogan. It's also kind of on the nose. Yes. Those are the strikes against it. And they're both pretty big strikes. <laughs> <laughs> Two strikes, you're out. Two strikes, you're out. That's the no clip way.